Good morning, everybody. Praise God. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, as we were saying... <laughs> Can you hear me now? All right. I have an iPad at home, but I don't know how to use it, so I got this one. <laughs> Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your only Son. In the name of Jesus, open the Scriptures to us this morning that we may learn and be and nourished. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, uh, I want to talk about the bread of life out of John's Gospel in chapter 6. The bread of life. When I uh, was a little boy, white bread was it. Sliced white bread, that was the greatest thing on earth. And then uh, when I moved out of my parents' house, I had to figure out what I was supposed to eat. And uh, so I did some research and studying and experimenting and <clears throat> come to find out I like 100% whole wheat the best. I like rye bread. But the interesting thing is, every culture on earth, just about every culture on earth, has some form of bread, whether it's a tortilla, whether it's a, a chapati in India, or, or a, a, what do they call it, pita bread in uh, Greece. Every culture has some type of bread. And bread has been called the staff of life. You can make it out of all different kinds of grains. Uh, there's barley, there's wheat, there's rye, like I said. Uh, <coughs> someone has even come up with the idea of uh, making pizza crusts out of cauliflower. <laughs> but that's not bread. <laughs> Tastes okay. I mean, I liked it and tried it once. It was all right. But bread... <laughs> The bread of life. Jesus claimed to be the bread of life. So this is a very interesting story, or a discourse, or discussion, I guess you might call it, because there's some back and forth between Jesus. John chapter 6, verse 24. A little bit of background. Um, in John chapter 5, Jesus had gone into Jerusalem for one of the feasts. Uh, some Bible commentators say, claim it was uh, one of the Passover feasts. And there is a man lying there by the uh, pool of Siloam, He's, uh, or the pool of Bethesda. Uh, uh, an angel comes down every once in a while, stirs up the waters, and the first one in gets healed. And Jesus uh, comes along and he sees the guy standing there, or laying there. He's not standing because he's paralyzed. And he asks him, do you want to be healed? And instead of the guy saying, yes, 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 he says, makes an excuse. <laughs> Every time the water gets stirred up, somebody gets in before me. So Jesus perceived that this man had been paralyzed for like, what, 38 years. And he just tells him, well, get up, take up your bed and walk, go home. And the guy does, <laughs> just gets up and takes his and then the religious leaders, hold on, hold on, you're breaking the law. The religious police come by. You can't do that. What do you mean I can't do that? <laughs> I've been paralyzed 38 years and now I can walk. See ya. <laughs> I mean, 
You're, they're going to arrest the guy, basically, because he's carrying his bedroll on the Sabbath. Oh, my God, you're defiling the Sabbath. So, well, Jesus, we know, is the Lord of the Sabbath. This is a great miracle that's taken place. The guy had been paralyzed for 38 years, and he gets up and he walks. I don't know about you, but I'd be excited. That, that's amazing. Then in chapter 6, he goes back to Jerusalem. A feast of the Passover is also at hand. And there's, John, there's Jesus. Chapter 6. And he's healing people. And Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee. A great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And the next thing that happens is this crowd comes along and they're following him and they're, they're, they want what he's got. They want the power of God touching their lives. How many want the power of God touching your life? I do. I need the power of God touching my life. Sometimes my brain just goes crazy thinking about stuff and, and sometimes my emotions uh, get the better of me. And I need the power of God in my life. So there's a great multitude following him. And Jesus sees this multitude coming in. He says to Philip, let's feed these people. The, in the King James it says, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Why did Jesus consider it? him and his apostles' responsibility to feed this, this crowd. It's because Jesus has a heart of compassion for people. And he's basically testing Philip. Hey, Philip, here, here's a test for you. Uh, where are we going to get bread to buy for all these people? And Philip says, and notice that Jesus is not saying, where are we going to get the money to buy all the bread for these people? He's just saying, where are we going to get the bread? Where are we going to buy it? Obviously, he knew that they had some resources. But Philip said, 200 denarii worth of bread's not enough for them, that everyone may have a li little bit. One of the disciples, Andrew, says, here's a kid, he's got five barley loaves, which aren't very big, and two small fish. It's his lunch. But what are they among so many? So Jesus has an idea. He says, okay, get everybody to sit down in hundreds and fifties, and Jesus looks up to heaven, praises it, and, and blesses it, and breaks it. And when they were filled, they gathered up the fragments, fragments so that nothing is lost. Twelve baskets full. Five thousand people fed. Verse 14, Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, Truly this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Someone that Moses had prophesied about. When Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he split the scenes. I'm out of here. Because if they had done that, guess what would have happened? The Romans would have come in and said, you can't be king. Caesar's king. You're dead. And it wouldn't have gone according to God's plan. Because that would be treason. It had to be done according to God's plan. So the next thing you know, he goes up to a mountain to pray, and he tells the disciples, okay, you guys get in the boat and go back to Capernaum. And uh, in the middle of the night, 
<clears throat> Jesus comes walking on the water. Anybody think that's odd? <laughs> Jesus is walking on the water. Maybe it costs too much money to take a boat, so I'll just walk across. No, he's God in the flesh. And he's and in one of the Gospels it says, and he's walking as though he's going to pass him by. See you guys on the other side. And they freak out. It's a ghost. There's legends about um, among sailors of, uh, of uh, you know, ghost ships and all sorts of stuff. And, and they freak out. Ah, it's a ghost. But Jesus says, it's me, guys, it's me. And he gets in the boat, and they're so amazed, don't even notice that they already got to the land. They're just like, what sort of man is this? And the next thing you know, in verse 24, when the crowd saw, the next day the crowd gets up, hey, where's Jesus? They saw he was not there. They themselves, those other boats there, got into those boats and went to Capernaum because that was Jesus' headquarters at this time. And so they're seeking Jesus. How many know it's a good thing to seek Jesus? Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Ask, seek, and knock. And I think it's just amazing that A-S-K spells ask, seek, and knock. It's the, what do they call it, an acronym? <laughs> I think that just, to me, that's mind-boggling. God did that on purpose, I think. Ask. So we can keep it simple. Ask. Ask. Seek. Knock. Okay. Because whoever asks will receive, and whoever seeks will find, and whoever knocks, the door will be opened. Praise God. So they find Jesus on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and they say to him, Rabbi, they recognize him as a teacher. Recognize him. They say, when did you come here? Jesus tells them, oh, I just walked across the water. <laughs> no, he doesn't even answer their question. Jesus tells them, I'm telling you the truth. Truly, truly, I say unto you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs. That was quite a thing to see those signs that Jesus was doing. But that, Jesus says, I know your motives. Hallelujah. <laughs> that could be scary. God knows our motives. Can you say amen? He says, but you came looking for me because you had enough food to eat and you had your fill of the loaves. Your motives for coming after me were not spiritual, he is telling them. Praise God. They didn't come to find Jesus because they, those signs were awesome. He says, I know that you came after me and looked for me because you wanted more free food. But Jesus goes on to tell him, you know what? I'm going to read over there while you guys can read along over here. Jesus tells them, do not work for the food that perishes. I'm going to know if you leave bread out for a long enough time, it gets moldy, even with the preservatives in it. One morning, I was half asleep, made a sandwich, went to work, got my sandwich out, and I looked at the bread, and it was moldy. So, man, another time, <laughs> I 
hope my wife doesn't mind me telling this half asleep. She made me two sandwiches. I ate the first sandwich at break time. Then at lunch, I got the second sandwich out, and all it was was two pieces of bread. <laughs> I had me a wish sandwich. I had two pieces of bread, and I wish I had something in between them. Praise God. But bread, if it's not taken care of, goes bad. So Jesus says, don't work for stuff that's not going to last forever. Don't work. Uh, and, and what he means by working is don't get involved in the kingdom of God and worry about all the stuff that's really not important. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. In other words, Jesus is saying, the things that I'm doing are authenticated. I have the authority of the kingdom of heaven. I have the authority of God in heaven himself, the Father of all. I have his authority, his seal on me. And the things I'm doing authenticate or prove it. What he's telling him is that Watch out for fake stuff. Can you say amen? Watch out for fake stuff. And he promises that he will give us that eternal life. By the way, verse 59, towards the end of the chapter, all of this is going on in the synagogue at Capernaum. And in verse 51, further on down in the chapter, he says that the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And that's where the controversy was. Work is participating in God's life. So they asked him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So what must we do? How many have asked that question? What must I be doing to be doing the works of God? First of all, what are our motives? Our motives should not be to make ourselves look good. Our motives should be to make Jesus looked good. Can you say amen? To give glory to God, to give honor to him. Verse 29, Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God. The work of God. It's real simple. Believe on him whom he has sent. It's not easy. Just believe on Jesus. Just believe on Jesus. This is a demand. Jesus you're either for or against Jesus. Can you say amen? Praise God. So in verse 30 they said, verse 30 is not up there, is it? Next slide. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Are you guys kidding me? Jesus says, what do you mean what sign? You want me to do another sign? How many more do you need? How many? Don't you remember all the other ones? Jesus said, I can just picture Jesus in his mind saying, what are these people thinking? Don't they remember? Unfortunately, most humans have short memories. Some humans have very long memories when it comes to offenses, but apparently other people have very short memories. And Jesus, they said, what work do you do? To what work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. That was a big deal. <laughs> so, what are they saying? Our fathers ate manna. Well, you know, that was 40 years long. We only ate bread once from you. 
These guys got it for 40 years for about 3 million people. Ha, huh, can you top that? How about that, Jesus? It's just like, are you guys nuts? This, don't you get it? Apparently not. They don't get it. They're, saying, they're trying, to, trying to get Jesus. Can you top that? Let's see another sign. You know, Do something even more powerful. Then we'll believe. Sometimes all we need is something small from the hand of God to help us believe. Can you say amen? Just a little something. Taste and see that the Lord is good, the Bible says. As it is written, they say. Now they're quoting the Bible to Jesus. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 15. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Well, guess what? The manna didn't come from heaven. The manna was on the ground. Remember? Jesus is the bread that comes from heaven. The manna was on the ground. Oh, praise God. People are funny. <laughs> then Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, talking about the manna, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven, which is Jesus himself. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I remember the story of Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus, and Jesus tells him, you must be born again. And so Nicodemus totally doesn't have a clue as to what Jesus how can a person be born again? Can a man, when he's grown up, go back in his mother's womb? Obviously not. That would be crazy. Impossible. And he's looking at it from the human side. The same with the woman at the well. Jesus says, you know what? I've got water that you'll never have to come back to this well to get. And she says, great. I don't have to worry about the embarrassment of coming down here by myself because I'm a social outcast. All these other ladies go by, come all in a big group yakking and gossiping, and, and I'm excluded. So that would be great. I'd never have to come here again. Give me that water. And Jesus isn't talking about physical water. He's not talking about physical birth, and he's not talking about physical bread. True bread from heaven, the bread of God, is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, notice they changed their attitude, sir. I'm going to know what a sir is. Sir, what was his name? Uh, Paul McCartney became a sir. He was knighted by the Queen of England. Mr. Salvador Dali, the famous painter, was knighted. He became a sir, a lord. We don't have lords in this country, you know, like they do in England where you have to make way. And they changed their attitude. Oh, okay, well, Lord. And they totally misunderstood what Jesus is talking about. Give us this bread always. And we won't have to spend our money on bread. We can keep our money and buy other stuff with it. And we'll never have to worry again about food. They totally misunderstood. Anybody ever misunderstand the Word of God? I have. I fully expected the day I got saved to have some sort of mind-boggling, earth-shattering experience like Saul of Tarsus, you know, bright light shine around me, knock me to my feet and off of my feet and on the ground and hear the voice of God. And, and that didn't happen at all. <laughs> the day I got saved, I just said a simple prayer. I uh, asked Jesus to come into my life, be the Lord of my life. Thanksgiving Day, 1981, in somebody's living room up in Flagstaff, Arizona, and uh, started sweating, asking a bunch of qu questions. And they said, well, we don't know all the answers, but 
Jesus does. I misunderstood. I thought I was looking for some mystical experience, and it didn't happen. But praise God, I got saved anyway. Hallelujah. Give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Now, this is one of the discourses of Jesus, and this is uh, one of the things that upset people is that several times in John's gospel, Jesus is quoted as saying, I am. And he's literally saying that he is God. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus was talking about bread and hunger, but now he adds thirsting to it. Excuse me. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. This, I believe, is talking about spiritual things because Jesus told the, I believe it's the woman at the well, he says, whoever believes in the scriptures out of their innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. It's talking about something spiritual. Verse 37 or verse 36, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Glory to God. These are people he's talking to that had seen the miracles that he was doing, but they still didn't believe. All they were thinking about was right then and there, they're thinking about getting rid of the Romans. They're thinking about the, making the, uh, the kingdom uh, uh, restored to like uh, it was under Solomon and King David, and then not catching it at all. And Jesus knows this. Yet you do not believe, he says. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Notice in verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. And the reason this is significant because that word and, A-N-D, because as we'll see further on, that unless God draws them, they will not come. But he also says but if you do come, I won't cast you out. So there's, there's a twofold, I guess you would call it, uh, equation, so to speak, of God drawing and the person responding. Thank God we responded. Can you say amen? Glory to God. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Isn't that glorious? God Jesus said, whoever comes to him, he will not reject you. No one is too bad. I've met people and I've talked to people, oh, no, I've done too many bad things. And then on the other hand, you've got people who say, oh, I'm not a sinner. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. I'm not a sinner. You mean you never told a lie in your life? Well, but then there's other people who claim, I'm too bad. God would never have me. But that's not true, because Jesus said, I'll take you as you are. Because other people think, man, I'm going to clean myself up before I come to God. I've got to repent before I come to God. No, what you repent is, you repent to God or towards God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. We'll never cast them out. For Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. 
Now this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up at the last day. About the only thing I can think of on this, the uh, focus on this is that there's going to be a last day. And you and I should live in such a way that we understand that we're going to have to give an account to God of what we did with our lives and working for God and living for Jesus. The will of the Father is that everyone would be saved. The will of him who sent me, in verse 39, he says that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me, but raise it up on the last day. And then in verse 40, notice what it says, for this is the will of my Father, again, he's repeating it, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, should or shall, is what it says in the King James. It's not a maybe thing. Can you say amen? It's a definite thing. When you look to Jesus and you put your trust and faith in what he did on the cross is more than enough to make you and I good enough to be in, uh, enrolled, so to speak, in the kingdom of heaven, then you have eternal life. Hallelujah. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes shall have eternal life. And Jesus says, and I will raise him up on the last day. Notice, he says, the last day. The total redemption of humanity is for your body, your soul, and your spirit to preserve, be preserved blameless until that day. We're going to get resurrected bodies. Our body is going to be raised from the dead. Even if uh, you fell in the ocean and the fish ate you, your body's going to come back together and then it's going to be changed into a glorified body, the Bible says. No more pain, no more sickness. Hallelujah. In the presence of him who saves us. Jude chapter 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. And there's a whole sermon just in that one verse. He's able to keep us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So the Jews grumbled or murmured about him. They didn't speak directly to Jesus. They're in the synagogue and they're whispering among each themselves and they're murmuring because Jesus said I am the bread <clears throat> that came down from heaven he said do we know this guy this is the carpenter's son this is Joseph we know his mom and his dad how does he now say he came down from heaven it's like they're scratching their heads what in the world is he talking about and Jesus said don't murmur no one, verse 44, can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And there's that magic word again. And I will raise him up at the last day. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. You know the story of Nehemiah? I believe it's Nehemiah. No, not Nehemiah. Um, Hosea. Marries a prostitute. She leaves him. But God tells him, you know what? Go back and get her. She's sold as a slave. 
go back and get her because that's how Israel treats me and that's how I treat them. I'm purchasing them back and going after them even though they don't want to. Anybody ever met somebody that didn't want to get saved? <laughs> Tried talking to them about Jesus. I don't have nothing to do with that. You know, <laughs> I heard somebody tell me, um, this conversation's over because I don't want to, to uh, ruin our relationship. <laughs> really? Well, why are we talking about someone who loves us ruin our relationship? Nevertheless, the conversation was over that day. Glory to God. God draws people, and people respond. Hallelujah, Jesus. In John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus said, Truly, truly. Now, there's a bunch of these sentences in John's gospel where John says, Truly, quoting Jesus, Truly, truly, I say to you, in the King James, it's verily, verily. I'm telling you the truth is what Jesus is saying to you. In verse 24 of chapter 5, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. That point in time, as soon as you believe, you receive eternal life. And does not come into judgment, but has passed, has passed from death to life. This word judgment is the, the Greek word. Uh, it's pronounced krisis. But it's where we get the word crisis from. And it means a decision, one way or the other. But we know that there's no condemnation for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? And also in verse 39 of chapter 5, Jesus tells them, Search the scriptures, because they speak of me. Immediately upon believing, we receive eternal life. It is written in the prophets. Jesus is quoting Isaiah chapter 54, verse 13. They will all be taught by God. Isaiah chapter 54 is one of my favorite chapters. Listen to what it says. Verse 11, beginning there. Oh, you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted, Behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal, and all your walls of precious stones. And verse 13, And all your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established, not your own righteousness, thank God, you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, when they, surely, when they shall surely assemble, but not because of me, whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. And down in verse 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. Praise God. Jesus quotes Isaiah 54:13. They will all be taught by God. And everyone who has heard, remember Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he was from God. He has seen the Father. Praise God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me because God will speak to you.
Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus said in verse 47, there's that phrase again, truly, truly, whoever believes has eternal life. Then Jesus reiterates, I am the bread of life. Your fathers, notice he says your fathers instead of our fathers because Jesus' father is God in heaven. Not mine and yours, but your father's ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. Then Jesus, referring to himself again, says, This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. Then in verse 51, he goes on to say, I am the living bread. Now that's something different that he's introducing here. Instead of just saying that he's the bread from heaven, now he's saying he's the living bread. Because there's something else here going on that Jesus is talking about and he's trying to get them to understand. And some of them do understand that he's the living bread that came down from heaven. And when heaven, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And then he clarifies even further the bread that I will give you for the life, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now he's telling them that this is something, he's explaining it a little bit more. And then as we go on, you'll see what he's really talking about is his crucifixion. Notice that he talks about his flesh here. He's going to give his body. And then he goes on to say, oops, that's all I gave him. Then he goes on to say, if you have your Bibles, John chapter 6, he goes on to tell them even more explanations. Just a moment here. John chapter 6. I am the bread of life. All right. So he goes on to say, Listen to what it says in John chapter 3, verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So Jesus goes on to say in verse 53, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So Jesus is not telling them to be cannibals. It's obvious. This would be disgusting for anyone to eat somebody's body and drink their blood. Right? Doesn't that sound strange to you? Jesus telling you, here you go, guys, have a bite. Or let me cut myself so you can have a drink. No. He's not talking about the physical, remember. He's talking about the spiritual. Hallelujah. Unless you don't, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Eating and drinking this, whoever does that, is talking about consuming, is talking about that spiritual thirst, is talking about that spiritual hunger that we should have when we want to know God better and better. Can you say amen? Verse 57 says, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me also will live because of me. Listen to this. Jesus' sacrifice 
released to us eternal life. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4. He gets tempted by the devil, and he responds by saying this. Know that in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. John chapter 1, verse 14 says that the word became flesh. So you want spiritual nourishment, read your Bible. I read something the other day by um, Watchman Nee, who was a, a, a Chinese uh, Christian who was in prison. He died in prison in communist China. And he, uh, he uh, said, uh, why don't you try this when you read your Bible? Read it out loud and pray and read it. Like uh, um, you can pray, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the bread of life. Thank you that you're, you nourish me with yourself. Thank you that you're, you are the word that became flesh. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16 says, Your words were found, and I ate them. <laughs> Doesn't mean, I believe <laughs> he uh, is commanded to eat a scroll, but <laughs> he ate them. Then it says, your word became to me gladness and joy of my heart. When we're reading the scripture and we're ingesting, so to speak, the words of God, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and we're ingesting it, it's supposed to become to us gladness and joy of our hearts. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, to desire pure spiritual milk, which is the word of God. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, uses this word nourished on the words of faith and sound teaching. Praise God. When you pray for Pastor Wayne and I, pray for what Paul asked people to pray for them, that God would give us words to speak, utterance to make known the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven so that uh, the hearers, you, would be nourished and built up. When I uh, try to prepare a message, I try and think about how can I feed you, so to speak. Jesus came down from heaven. And then after saying all this stuff, bunch of people leave. They say, well, we're not going to follow Jesus anymore. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? In verse 61, Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about that. He said to them, did this offend you? It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And then Jesus asked the disciples, well, um, are you guys going to quit following me too? And they say, where else can we go? We know that you have the words of eternal life. So this morning, if you don't get anything out of this sermon, read your Bibles, because there you'll find the words of life and eternal life. Praise God. Well, let's close in prayer this morning. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Praise God. God is good. And he loves us with an everlasting love. The Bible says his hands are stretched out for, towards us all the day long. God, I ask you to open our eyes. So this morning, 
Jesus said that you must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. And he's talking about a spiritual birth naturally. He's talking about spiritual things, not physical things, but the spiritual will affect the, spirit, the physical. So this morning, um, you're here. I don't know everybody here, but if you're not born again, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter uh, 9, verses 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, and with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. We cannot be righteous on our own. We need someone else, and that's namely Jesus, to make us righteous. He offers us the righteousness of God. We can cast aside all of our accomplishments and say, God, without you, I'm nothing. So this morning, if you're here and you're not born again or you're backslid, God loves you with an everlasting love and wants you to come back to him. As he draws you, will you respond this morning? Anyone at all, if you'll just signify that with an uplifted hand, just throw your hand up. Yes, that's me. I need Jesus this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you're watching online, God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. If you're not born again, you need to be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. It's not a suggestion. Truly, truly, he said, you must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. Believe in Jesus and you'll have everlasting life. Praise God. Contact us through Facebook, through the internet, phone, or come visit us. If you're watching online, we'd love to have you and help you live for God and do the works of God. Amen? All right. Well, this is quiet church here this morning. Let's stand to our feet, close in prayer.